I know that uh, many of us are feeling constrained right now. You may even feel like you have you have chains on. Some people watched from home uh, here this morning uh, because they're in quarantine or maybe they're even even sick. Uh, we had a quarantine at our house a few weeks ago. My son Nathan was exposed by somebody at work who, who tested positive for COVID. So he was on modified quarantine for two weeks, which meant that uh, he still could go to school, much to his chagrin. Um, he's, he's in a hybrid kind of situation. And uh, he could still go to work, which he did like because he likes to, to make money. But then he couldn't do anything else. I mean, he couldn't go, couldn't, couldn't be with friends. And there was much uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth until that two weeks ended. But I know a lot of us are feeling constrained right now. Many, many people are, many of you are likely feeling constrained related to the holidays coming up. I mean, I suspect that for, for most of us, Thanksgiving and probably Christmas are not going to look a whole lot like they looked a year ago or like we would like for them to look. Um, I've even talked with a number of people this morning that their, I mean, their plans are to be alone for, for Thanksgiving. And my heart just goes, goes out to all of us who are, are having to make adjustments. Maybe some of you are feeling constrained by things that have nothing to do with COVID. So, so maybe you're constrained by something financially. Maybe you are, are in debt that is so weighty. It's keeping you from doing some of the things that you would like to do, but you're, you're just, you're trapped. Maybe some of you are, are constrained in a relationship and there's someone in your family that's just a very controlling person. And because they're family, you, you can't get away from them and, and you're just, you know, you're feeling boxed in. And I want to I want to just ask us to take a moment and I want you to think of what what is it right now in your life that feels constraining that almost feels like change? Because if you get that in your mind right now, it's going to make this message a whole lot more useful to you. So I want to just give you a moment. So whatever that is in, in your mind that feels constraining right now, if, if you're like me. You, you probably look at that and you say, if, if only I could get out of this chain, if only I could move past it, if this chain would break, I could do so much more. Like I would have freedom to do so much more. And we pray that to God. We say, God, would you break this chain? We, we know he can because, I mean, we see all kinds of scriptures that talk about the fact that God can deliver us and God can set us free. So we say, God, why, why wouldn't you set me free so that I can do all the things that you would want me to, to do. And when we pray that over a period of time and God doesn't answer and he doesn't break the chain as quickly as we would like, it's easy to become disillusioned and to think, I, I'm not quite sure about this, this God. What is, what is he really like? And so, uh, meanwhile, God is actually doing something through the chains and with the chains in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning because I don't want you to miss it while you're in those constraints. I don't want you to miss the benefit. So that's what we're going to talk about as we turn to Colossians chapter 1. We're going back to the beginning of, of Colossians. Kind of. No, not, not really. We, we are ending our slow walk through Colossians today. Uh, we started, if you can believe this, on March 22nd. So March 22nd, eight months ago, and that was right after the quarantine was imposed. And here we are. So 
Um, you know, I think it's been appropriate to, to look at this book uh, during this time because it, it talks about the solid ground, the, the true solid ground that we have in a world that clearly has been very shifting uh, during during this year. And so so some of you may be new. I mean, almost every Sunday we're having new people coming in person, which is so cool. So some of you may be new this morning. We have new people joining us online. And so maybe you're new to this series. You weren't here from the beginning. So for, for all of our sakes, let me just give you a recap of the main the main theme of the book of Colossians, and it is this. Our solid ground is not a principle or a practice. It's a person. The solid ground, the stability that we seek in life is not found in principles that we believe. It's not found in practices that we do. I mean, those things can be helpful and they can add some stability, but our our solid ground is found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I want us just to be reminded of the centrality of Christ by going back here to Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Just a really key, key passage that describes Christ. Verse 15, he, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The word all appears there seven times in, in those verses. He is our, our all in all. He is the centerpiece. We've, we've been talking about Christ and his connection, our, what we what we gain in him for seven months. And I know that may seem like a long time. We haven't exhausted it, believe me. We haven't exhausted the, the greatness of Christ by a long shot. And so if you're if you're joining us for the first time, if you've missed uh, any of this series, it's all gonna stay on our media page. You can go back and you can you can get caught up and you can delve into this more deeply. But today we're gonna tie up some loose ends. And we're going to close this out with uh, the final verse in the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So typically, when Paul is writing a letter, he has a secretary or a scribe who is actually doing the writing for him. He's, he's dictating, and they're writing it out. So here at the end, and oftentimes at the end of his letters, he will take the stylus himself, and he will write a personal greeting here at, at the end. And, and here he, he signs off, as he does with all of his letters, with this customary parting phrase, grace be with you. That is at the end of every one of Paul's letters. Grace be with you. I think he wants to leave us with that ringing in our ears, because we, we are all so dependent on grace. It, it is the grace of God that gives us what we do not deserve, everything we have. 
And he wants that ringing in our ears here at the end. Before that familiar phrase that he often uses, he uses an unusual phrase of three, three curious words here. Remember my chains. Remember my chains. That, that's an odd phrase, don't, don't you think? Because we usually like to downplay our chains. We like to forget about our chains. We, we want to ignore our chains. We don't want to think about our chains. And Paul is saying, remember my chains. We may have lost sight of this, but Paul is writing this letter from, from prison. He is in chains. And so we, we see that back in, in chapter 4, uh, verse, verse 3. I'm going to have you bouncing all over Colossians today because we're wrapping things up here, and I, I want you to get the big picture. But chapter 4, verse, verse 3, he says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. And so Paul here is under house arrest. He's, he's probably not in a dungeon at this point. There were dungeon prisons in the ancient world, and Paul knew what those were like, too. He had spent some time in those. Those were really nasty with no windows, poor ventilation, rats, disease, all that kind of stuff. So this is probably not that scenario. He's probably under house arrest in Rome because he has someone who's, who's taking this dictation. It's, it's probably Tychicus. We talked about that a number of, of weeks ago. I'm sorry, Archippus was probably his, his, uh, Secretary, And so he had a friend there with him. He's able to write this letter. So he's probably not in a dungeon, but he's in house arrest, and he would have had a chain attached to him. Under house arrest, he would have had a chain either attached to a stock or to a guard to keep him from running away, to keep him from having the freedom to move about as, as he wants. And he's, he's in chains. He's imprisoned. Because he has been spreading the good news about Jesus. I mean, he's been doing a good thing. He's spreading hope in the world. We, we wouldn't expect for someone to be imprisoned for doing a good thing. But it still happens in our world today. I was, I was in touch this, this week with one of our friends from Lebanon who is, is part of our Middle East focus. And he shared with me that at one point, he had gone to a neighboring country there in the Middle East, sharing the gospel, evangelizing, but it, it was illegal in that country, and he was put in prison. He's not in prison anymore, but he was, he was in prison for that. That's a, that's a real thing. And, and we should just get sober for a moment and realize that this could become a real thing for us I know that seems really strange, but maybe not as strange today as it, as it did a while ago. And this is, this is not, I'm not gonna, I'm not making a political statement here, okay? Uh, I wanna make a cultural statement. And as sometimes people misinterpret things as political statements, I forgive you for misunderstanding me, but I wanna make a cultural statement, and that is that our culture is drifting further and further and further away from what God has declared is true and how God has declared we should live. And there are key leaders in both political parties who stand in opposition to things that God has declared is the way that we are to live. And I don't think it's outrageous to think that in my lifetime, I could be persecuted, maybe even imprisoned, for what I believe. Because if it comes down to that, I mean, I'm going to stand on Scripture because that's going to stand forever. 
And so if I have to go against my government to, to do that, I, I will. And so I think we need to prepare our minds spiritually. We need to prepare ourselves for the very real possibility that persecution could happen here. I would rather have us prepare for that and not have it happen than to not be prepared. And then it comes on us and we're like, what is going on? And so I think we need to prepare our next generation to realize that sometimes when you follow God, it actually puts you in harm's way, as it did with Paul. So let's learn from him. What does he mean when he says, remember my chains? I think probably very basically, this is a call for the people of the church in Colossae to pray for him. I mean, that's what he did in in the verse that we, we looked at here before, chapter 4, verse 3. At the same time, he says, pray for us that God may open a door for the word. Open to us a door for the word. See, this is interesting. He doesn't pray for his life to get easier. He doesn't pray to get free. He says, pray that God would open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So he says, pray for me that God would use me even while I am in my chains. So pray for me. I think that's probably one of the things he means by remember my chains. But I think there might be something even even a little bit deeper, a little bit under the surface of that. I think me, I wonder if maybe he's saying, you know, church at Colossae, you know, church at Grace Point, all the while that you have been listening to me talk about the good news about Jesus, the, the, the wonderful person that he is and what he can do for you, all the while you've been listening to me talk about that, I've been in chains. I have been imprisoned. But, but even though I don't have the freedom, I haven't had the freedom to do whatever I might want to do, God is still at work. It's interesting. He, he uses the words remember and chains in another of his letters in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. So Paul says, I may not have the freedom to do everything I'd like to do right now. You may not have the freedom to do everything you would like to do right now, but God is still at work. The word of God is not bound. It reminds me of signs that I saw back near the beginning of the quarantine, that that hope is not quarantined. Don't you love that? Hope is not, not quarantined. God's word, God's good news is is never chained. And bound. In fact, God uses chains for transformation. You know, we, we want God to, to break our chains. I mean, that's what we pray for, is God, I've got this thing that's constraining me. Think of how much I could do if you would just set me free. That's what we pray for. And that's fine. I mean, keep, keep praying for that. But meanwhile, God is using the chains. God could break them any moment he wanted to, but if he's waiting, it's because he wants to do something else through the chains. God sees opportunities in our obstacles. And so so I want to just talk about three things that I think God used Paul's chains for. 
The first is that uh, Paul wrote letters. I mean, this was one of the things that came out of Paul being imprisoned. We, we, there are four letters that are sometimes called the prison letters. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. He, he makes mention in every one of those that he was writing them from prison. He also does that in one other letter, 2 Timothy. And so we know that those five letters were, were composed. And I, I have to wonder, we, we don't know, he could have written many of the other letters as well from prison, which begs the question, would we have these letters if he had not been in prison? Because if you know anything about Paul, you know he was a go-getter. I mean, he was an action man. He's running here and there, and he's in this city, he's in that city, he's discipling people, he's doing stuff. I mean, he's just all over the place. He was a jet setter before there were jets. So I wonder if God said, okay, Paul, I need you to slow down. I need you to put the brakes on. So I'm gonna I'm just going to give you a little time. I'm going to give you a little alone time. And, and let you produce, you know, some of these letters that we now have 2,000 years later to give us guidance. So that's one thing. Uh, a second thing is that it developed other leaders. So that because Paul is in prison, there's this vacuum that's created where where he used to be, and others are forced to step up and, and take his place. He talks about this in Philippians 1. He says, Most of the, the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. See, if Paul was still out of prison, if he was still doing his thing, it would be really easy for all these other guys to sit back, all these other gals to sit back and say, well, Paul will do it. I mean, he's, he's amazing. I mean, we can't touch what he does. But because God took him out of action for a while, others had to step up. The third thing, third way that God used this for transfer. Oh, so, uh, actually, uh, David Garland, who's an author, said, Paul's imprisonment, this is, this is really interesting. Paul's imprisonment may have contributed more to advance the gospel than his freedom. Isn't that amazing thought? Third, a third way that God uses or used Paul's chains for transformation is that he experienced personal transformation. Anytime we're constrained, anytime life is difficult, it, it, it's, it's a crucible that works on our, our character. It, it, it blows me away that we that there are two things that we never hear Paul say in any of his letters. The first is, woe is me. We never catch him on a pity party like, oh, my life is so hard. I mean, he talks about it being hard, but he never whines about it. It's amazing. The second thing that we never hear Paul say is, serves me right. I mean, he could look back and say, you know, I, I have done a lot of really messed up things in life. And he, he does. He does go back and say, you know, I... I, had, I did some messed up stuff. In fact, he was the one doing the persecuting previously. But he never says, so, so this, I did these bad things and now it's coming back on me. It's karma. I did bad things. God's doing bad things. He never ever says that. In fact, his focus as he's in prison is not on himself at all. It's always on others. He says this in 2 Corinthians 4. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, 
For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. And this is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Isn't that remarkable? I mean, he's listing all these awful things that you and I try to to get out of and stay away from. And he's saying that because of all of these things, others are coming to experience the grace of Christ. And that is increasing in thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving is a theme that Paul builds throughout Colossians. And I want to, I want to visit that now for a moment as we, as we close out of Colossians because because gratitude really equips us to endure servitude. Gratitude helps us endure servitude. Whatever it is that's binding you right now and constraining you, if you can find a reason to be grateful and cultivate gratitude, it's going to help you to endure until that moment when God says, I'm ready now to, to break that chain. So I want, to, I want to just visit some of the things that, that Paul says about thanksgiving. And I want you to just remember in your mind, whatever that is that is binding for you, that is in chains for you. Remember, Paul is writing this. He says, remember my chains. I'm writing this in chains. And so whatever applies for him applies for you in your situation. So I'm, again, I'm going to have you bouncing all over the place here. Okay. So three, three main things that Paul, three ways that he calls us to give thanks. The first, is to give thanks for the transformation that God is working in the world. So back in chapter 1, verse 3, as he starts out the letter. And and I want you to help me out on this. So as I'm reading through these, as I come to the word thank or thankfulness or thanksgiving, I want you to, to help me with that word. I want to know that you're engaged here and that you're not falling asleep. Okay, so verse 3. We always... Thank God. Okay, okay, that was practice, and you need to do better from the rest of the time here. Okay, so I'm going to start that over again, verse 3. We always thank God. Wow, okay, now we're going to try that one more time. I, I, I need to hear that you are reading this along with me. Okay, we always thank God, okay, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints... Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Paul is, is thinking about this church that he's never been to, these people that he has never met, but he's heard, he's heard about them. And he says, I'm celebrating and I'm thanking God that he is at work in your, your life. And so for you right now, in whatever it is that's constraining, you may not even feel right now like God is at work in your life. But you can look around you and look for someone else. And I bet you can find someone where you can say, God, thank you for what I see and see you doing in that person's life. Thank you for increasing faith and love and hope in that person's life. I, I'm not feeling you work at work in my life right now, but God, thank you for being at work in theirs. Uh, chapter 3, verse 15. Another example of the the transformation God is working in the world. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be 
thankful and be thankful. So, so if you remember when we talked about this a, a number of, of weeks ago, we said that the, the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts here, this is not the personal peace of Christ. This is actually talking about the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts, plural, your hearts, plural. It's talking about the, the family of faith. Let the word, let, let the peace of Christ umpire among you is basically what this is talking about, which is good news for us because in the midst of a world that is incredibly divided, in, in this space, in our spiritual family of faith as we follow Christ together. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have like really diverse perspectives on things. Christ is the one who's able to bring us together and bring unity. That is something to give thanks for, that we can experience some unity and some family in the midst of a very divided world. The second thing Paul encourages us, the way he encourages us to give thanks, is to give thanks for what Christ has done to transform us. Personally, So back in chapter 1, verse 11, this, this is an amazing, this is in the middle of a, an amazing prayer here. If you don't know how to pray for somebody that you love and care for, just pray this prayer from Colossians 1 over them. Verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I I hope if you got nothing else out of, of studying the book of Colossians, you understand that you and I do not qualify to receive the inheritance of the saints. We we left to ourselves do not qualify. The Father qualifies us through the sacrifice of Christ. And that is something to give thanks for. So you and I stand in line for the inheritance in this life of spiritual resources that equip us for every obstacle that we encounter. And then we have the eternal inheritance to look forward to of spending forever with our gracious, loving Savior, Jesus, you and I didn't qualify for that. The Father qualified us, and we should give thanks. Chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So as we walk with Christ, as we are rooted and built up in him, the natural outflow of that is to be grateful. And if your gratitude quotient is low, you should ask the question, how closely am I walking right now with Jesus? Because the closer we walk with him, the more gratitude should be welling up in us because of all that he has done for us and through us. The third thing Paul tells us to do is just to give thanks always. Chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving 
thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks always. So it doesn't mean we necessarily that we give thanks for everything. Although that's something we can do by faith. Sometimes we're not enjoying whatever that thing is and whatever those chains are. But we can always give thanks in everything. And then lastly, chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer because the, the world is still broken. There's still a lot that's not right. There's still a lot of chains out there. But he says, be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Keep on praying. Keep on giving thanks. I said it months ago when we were looking at, at many of these passages on, on giving thanks. That gratitude, having an attitude of gratitude, really sets us apart in the world. Especially right now. Especially when there's so much about the world that is, is messed up and broken and we're, we're not enjoying. Especially when we're feeling constrained and, and in chains. If we can give thanks in the midst of that, that catches the attention of people around us and they're like, what is up with you? And I want some of that. See, God uses our chains for, for transformation. He uses our chains to transform us and to transform the people around us. So I want to give you something very practical to do this week, to cultivate your attitude of gratitude. As you are uh, going to the grocery this week uh, to get your turkey and your yams and whatever else, pick up some thank you cards. And then I want to encourage you on Thanksgiving this year, as Thanksgiving is different probably than what you would have liked for it to be. After your, your main course and before the tryptophan kicks in and while you're waiting to get into the dessert or to watch the Ravens take revenge on the Steelers, uh, while you're, while you're in that interim period there, pass Pass the thank you notes around if you're, if you're with others or if you're by yourself. Get the thank you notes out and write, write a thank you note or two to someone who has really touched your life and encouraged you in, in this year. And while you're at it, and, and I mean this seriously, like write one to God and thank Him for so much grace. I mean, that's what Paul wants ringing in our ears. Thank, thank you, God, for grace in the midst of my chains. And you may even thank him by faith for the transformation that he is working inside of you until he chooses to break those chains. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a sovereign God who works everything for the purpose of your will. And he was able to work for good all things for those who, who love you. And so even as we, we think of Paul and we think of him in prison writing this letter, it's, it's really astounding to think that he's giving thanks in the, the midst of the difficult situation that he's in. But he's calling us to, to do that. 
by faith. And so I pray, Lord, that you would cultivate in each one of us a heart so full of gratitude. Lord Jesus, may we walk so closely to you, rooted and built up in you, that we would just be abounding and overflowing with thanksgiving, that would catch the attention of the people around us because we're so out of step with the the mess in our world and even the grumbling in our world right now. Lord, may we shine like stars right now that would point the way to you, Lord Jesus. And we pray it in your name. Amen.